Welcome to the Painting of the Week podcast, where we look at some of the most significant paintings throughout history. Introducing your hosts, Phil Grabsky and Laura Bentham. And hello, welcome to this week's Painting of the Week. I'm Phil. And I'm Laura. Today we have chosen to look at a contemporary artist and uh, moreover a female Afghan artist. Uh, Her her name is uh, Shamsia Hassani and uh, she's an extraordinary young woman. By way of background, um, we've chosen to look at an Afghan artist. I mean, we might well have done anyway, because as we record um, this painting of the week, um, we're into the first weeks of the new Taliban, well, they haven't even really got a government yet, but occupation Mm. or rule Mm. of Afghanistan. We're recording this in September of 2021. And on the 15th of August, um, the pre-existing democratically, quote-unquote, elected government of Afghanistan was overthrown by the Taliban following the frankly, rather hasty, or the way in which it was done, withdrawal of US and NATO troops. Um, I'll declare an interest um, in that I've spent the last 20 years making a film about a young boy called Mir. Um, I started in 2002 and I followed um, when I say I, I must at this point say with my Afghan co-director, Shoaib Sharifi. We have followed this boy growing up and today he's 26 years old. He has three small boys of his own. And after the most extraordinary two decades of scrapes and adventures and humour and sadness and drama and perseverance, um, he's actually ended up working as a cameraman in Kabul. Um, And that film is called My Childhood, My Country, 20 Years in Afghanistan. And it was always intended to be released to mark the 20th anniversary of the US-NATO invasion of uh, of Afghanistan shortly after 9-11 in 2001. Little did you know... What little, was going to happen? Little did I know. I mean, I, there was so, uh, when I first went, it wasn't the intention to follow him for 20 years, obviously. No. Um, but a lot of things have come full circle. Um, the fact he has boys now the same age as when I first filmed him. Um, and the final shot of the film, it's quite an extraordinary shot, actually, and that has some circularity to it in that it has an echo to the very beginning of the film. Um, I won't say too much more than that. No. Um, but as soon as as Donald Trump, it wasn't a peace treaty, really. It was he basically announced to the Taliban that America was going to leave, and he basically said to the Taliban, "You don't kill any more American soldiers, and we'll go." Yeah. That essentially abandoned Afghanistan. Really, um, the Afghan government wasn't even at those talks in Doha. And the Taliban basically said, well, thank you very much. Um, Pretty clear at that point that they'd won. And then the incoming President Biden actually gave a date when they were going to withdraw. 
uh, of September the 11th, but in fact they started withdrawing very quickly in mid-August. And we have the situation that we have whereby the Taliban are now back in control. So it's slightly unsure quite how this is all going to play out, frankly. Um, Afghanistan has changed and the way the Taliban are behaving is marginally different to how they behaved 25 years ago when they were first in power. Um, and they are talking, if, you know, if they put into action some of what they're saying, um, actually that would be quite a good thing. Although, yes, they will allow women to go to school mm. or girls to go to school, but only up to probably their mid-teens or late teens when they will be expected to be married at, at the decision of a male. Um, I've already heard one Taliban spokesman saying that women can still be involved in parliament, they just won't be in the cabinet. Right. Um, I had one message that the National Orchestra was being told to destroy all its instruments. Um, we've heard about people being tracked down and executed, although could be quite careful because that could be exaggerated. But it might not be. We just don't know. I think it's the unknown. It's the unknown. The unknown. And those images of people fleeing mm. to the airport, um, wading through a canal of human waste to, mm. just to get into the airport. And those were people that had, you know, well, many of them had actual permission to leave. Many of them had, you know, we're talking American citizens, British citizens, people with American passports, British passports. Some got out and some didn't. Yeah. Of course, the West is trying to pat itself on the back by saying, look how many we got out. And a lot of other people are saying, yeah, but look how many you didn't. Mm. Um, so as we record this, it's all a bit up in the air and we just have to hope. However. It's traumatic to watch. It's traumatic to watch. And it's not, there's no, there's just, it feels actually quite hopeless sometimes to watch. You just don't know. You just do not know what the end result's going to be here. No, and it's not, there's no way that the end result will be a good thing for women. It's just a question of the degree of, the degree of which, how bad it's going to be. Mm. So, over, so over the last 20 years, there has been transformation, really, probably more in the urban areas and the rural areas, but you had, I believe, one quarter of the parliament was women. You had 256 female judges. You had young women running companies and you had young women doing social media and on the internet and sports women and competing in the Olympics and yeah. so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. uh, you also had this young woman called Shamsia Hassani, who some have called the Afghan Banksy, yeah. who after a, a visit by a British graffiti artist who came and did a workshop in, in Afghanistan, and quite a lot of those kind of things happened, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people put a lot of time into trying to help Afghan people. Whether it's quite small scale or quite large scale, but often these smaller scale things were the most powerful. People helping the Afghan cricket team, who are now one of the top ten in the world, yeah. for example. I think um, that's, what's nice though is that it's just a normal. It was just a, you know, a class within the university. Yeah. People do forget that is just normal things go on. Yeah. You do just pop out and have a cup of coffee and. And things, and like you say about the cricket team, and to get the chance to do a graffiti art club, yeah. quite good. It's quite cool. The whole point of the film that we've made is to show people Afghans are 
just the same as everybody <laughs> else. And they're not bearded terrorists. And no. They're not women mute behind a blue burqa. So, for example, I talked to my friend the other night and his, his, where he lives could be, could be Brighton, where we are now. Yeah. And, you know, his kids were running around in football tops and his wife had made pizza and this, that and the other. Um, and, but then he showed me a view out the window. And again, out the window, it, it could have been Minneapolis. It could have been Stoke-on-Trent. It could have been Köln in Germany. Yeah. And because it was all, all lit up and there's office blocks alight and apartment blocks and just outside quite close to where he lived was a, a service station which looked like it could be a service you know, petrol station service mm. station anywhere in the world the only difference was the soundtrack was non-stop gunfire right yeah something we've never well certainly not here never and let's hope never <laughs> had to live through not in our lifetime obviously for some um, people yes now this gunfire i have to say was celebrationary it wasn't it wasn't people weren't fighting they were just firing into the air um, and in fact, I read the next day that 17 people were killed because of all the bullets. Because when you fire a bullet into the air, it doesn't disappear. Oh, it falls down and it falls down at velocity. Oh. 17 people who've been through all sorts of horrors in the last 20 years die for the most ridiculous reasons. Oh. Reason I really thought about that. A few days ago, yeah. Uh. And in fact, the Taliban said, will you please stop? Firing your guns into the, <laughs> the air. air, but you know when the Americans left, they left. Apparently, I read six hundred thousand M16s right. ammunition. I mean, the country's awash with weapons. Mm. I've said before that if I was Prime Minister of Britain, there's a number of things I would do, and one of them would be I would stop immediately all arms sales. I don't care what it does to our economy. No, but arms sales just don't do anybody any good. No. And you can argue, oh, yeah, it's important that the Saudis have all these jet fighters. Well, not if you're Yemeni, it's not. Um, and, you know, you can still have an army and a military that can defend you against terrorism. But, it, it you know, we've got to, it's, it's a new, you know, we don't really, in my opinion, we don't need an aircraft carrier. No. It's cost billions. Yeah. And, and doesn't even have any planes at the moment. What we need are people who speak Dari and speak, you know, Urdu and and of course what we've lost in Afghanistan is access to all the intelligence net networks there because we've left anyway mm. this woman uh, uh, young woman obviously has the most incredible natural skill as an artist and um, you know you go to our website and look at the picture, the one we're looking at, and we actually don't know the exact name for it because she's only just done it. Yeah, we can't find a title. Can't find a title. But it's mm. a dollar bill mm. and almost like a curtain. It's been opened or maybe even torn asunder. I'd say it's more like a curtain, a window opening. And she's opened it up and to one side behind her you see something that represents Kabul. And then there's the young woman dressed in black, hair flying in the wind, uh, and tears streaming down her face. Mm -hmm. And then you've got an American military jet taking off. You've got a fairly uh, 
aggressive, unpleasant representation or representation of an unpleasant Taliban soldier um, as the face of the American dollar. Actually, if you look at it, um, is that people falling out of the aircraft there? Oh, yeah, that's people falling out. So that oh, God, yeah. must have been done then. Yeah, yeah, so after on, that. On, yeah. that. on that day when those people did yeah, actually. Yeah, what was that, 17th, something like that, yeah. August. So this is really, really recent. Oh, this is, this is within the last two weeks. Mm. So that's about, as, I mean, that's, that's about as contemporary as you can yeah. get in terms yeah. of contemporary art. Now, one of the things that's so impressive about her is when you, you read about her, she went out into the streets. So on my very first trip to Afghanistan, I flew into this very airport that now everyone's trying to leave from. And it was quite extraordinary. And because as you were flying in and I was filming out the window, I mean, I, I'd never seen civilian planes. Right. You know, 737s in bits, upside down. Uh-huh. It's so strange. So, we're so used to seeing them, you know, all sleek and lined up mm. at, at, at terminals. Here they were, upside down, wings blown off, fuselage in half, and alongside them you had crop sprayers and you had even fighter jets all in bits. The control tower, I remember, was just covered in bullet holes. Um, and then you went quite quick to get through the terminal, we came out the other side and there was like a whole field next to the airport just full of wrecked planes. Right. And I, I, I went back a couple of days later to go and take some photo, you know, film of it, but they said you can't go in there, it's full of mines. Oh, okay, okay. Kabul was absolutely wrecked. It was, it, nothing was, had been, was undamaged. Um, but even in that wreckage, I remember film, I've got it on tape, I remember filming, we were driving along and there was a kiddie in front of the, our car who was skateboarding. Yeah. And it's such, a, such an important thing to bear in mind that you have these kind of one-dimensional impressions of a, of a country. As soon as you get there, you realise it's so much more multidimensional and young people are young people pretty much everywhere. And there were already, this is weeks after the Taliban had fallen, but there was music everywhere, these kids on skateboards. Um, you know, just people just wanted to behave normally, if you like. So that was just after they... Just after the Taliban had fallen back in So it must have been actually really amazing, just driving around like sort of music playing. It was extraordinary. I mean, I, I wasn't sure when I started filming. The first place I went to film just to try things out was the market, the main market in Kabul, mm. where had I, been, had I tried to film under the Taliban, I'd have been arrested and beaten up and who knows what. Mm. Were well, uh, you a bit nervous anyway, though, being there? Yeah, a bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it was fine. I mean, you got a few funny looks because there weren't many. I think, to the best of my knowledge, I was the first filmmaker in, but, I mean, there are news, there are obviously news cameramen have been wandering mm. around. Um, but you also just start seeing the, the, the detail of people's lives. Mm. And, I mean, the number one thing you have to remember about somewhere like Afghanistan and any country is that the pre preoccupation first preoccupation of any human being is to eat. Yeah. So no matter what happens, no matter who's in power, mm. actually when you wake up in the morning, your first thing is, okay, how are we going to eat today? Yeah. 
that is the theme of you know that's the one of the themes of the film and it's it shows itself you know very clearly in the film um so you know a lot of people right now in afghanistan will be more precise a lot of men right now in afghanistan their lives might not have changed a great deal they're growing beards so they might have to wear a hat and they can't style their hair and they've got to do this that and the other mm. um they may have you know not be playing music in their apartments or they may the trouble is that it's it's it was bad enough for women anyway it start had started to improve in some ways and now it's gone backwards and i've never met as women as courageous as the women i met in afghanistan <clears throat> um and so many of them are in hiding or wanting to flee um my a couple of my friends in Afghanistan tell me that no one's being pulled out of their houses and actually, you know, the reality is much calmer than you might think from reading the newspapers. I don't know. No. I mean, and yeah. also it's very hard to gauge what's happening out in the countryside. I'm assuming they're different leaders, maybe, you've got in lots the countryside of, and different people. Exactly. You've got lots of groups and lots yeah. of tribes. And mm. that's one of the things that was a bit underestimated by the West as well. Mm. Um and Afghanistan, you know, is a very good example of men wanting to control women mm-hmm. for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. And so, you know, arranged marriage, you know, you, some could make an argument for for that, saying it's a cultural thing, et cetera, et cetera. It's not something I would do with my daughter. But, no. but then there's forced marriage. And then there's the way that if a woman is beaten within a marriage, she can get no justice for that in fact she may end up being put in jail and this you know it goes on and on so this woman i think has you know put her head above above the parapet probably encouraged by the west to feel that it was safe-ish to do so and that's part of the shame of it now in that we've all just abandoned them um and she did go out now i've read about her saying, I know you have too, that, you know, sometimes she'd get abused and shouted at and so she'd have to run away. Mm. But, you know, so some of it is virtual graffiti, if you like. Some of it's done indoors, but she did do some outdoors. And more than that, it's actually really, I mean, that's one thing, but it's actually really, really good. It is. It's amazing. I mean, it's just amazing. I think that she's just the courage anyway to go out and do it. I, I just can't get over that. She was saying that to do the big pieces, you know, it was just too tricky. People didn't necessarily want it on their walls, so they would come out, mm. let alone people are sort of having to go in the street. She really did sort of take her life into her hands in a way. But oh, I don't know. I think they're, I mean, they are, they are extraordinary. And the, the idea that she's done the, all the women with no mouth yeah because she felt that they didn't necessarily have a voice and i'm sure i don't want to explain it for her because i'm sure she's got other reasons for it as well but then um we were reading that she had some of them had instruments so that they could speak with sort of you know maybe some music and i don't know wouldn't it be amazing to be able to interview her to get it properly the facts instead of just off of google well, of course, at the moment we don't. We we have to assume she's in hiding. Yes, cool thing. But mm. um, possibly she's. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't even want to pontificate about it. But I mean, 
she may have left. She may have got out on one of the planes, but you probably, somebody might have mentioned, I don't know. I don't know where she is. No. Um, I mean, I, I do follow her on Instagram and I recommend that people do and go to her website, which, yeah, isn't it shamsiahassani.net? Yes. Is that mm -hmm. right? It's fabulous. Um, this particular picture, because I know that sometimes, again, having read about her, I know sometimes she uses photographs and then it's a mix of the photograph and what she herself draws, paints, or, you, you know, um, when she does her kind of virtual graffiti. If this is a drawing of a dollar bill, if she's painted it, it's, tr yeah. it's tremendously good. It is. I mean, I don't know. I can't. I actually can't tell whether it's an actual dollar bill that she's then made into kind of a curtain and put the Taliban guy in the middle. Mm. But if she's drawn, and she would have done this in a bit of a, you know, she wouldn't bit have had an enormous amount of time. No. If she's drawn it, then the detail, because obviously dollar, you know, any, no, you know, any currency yes. is extremely patterned and detailed to try to reduce the likelihood of it being... Yeah. Counterfeited. Mm. So, um, but I certainly wouldn't put it past her to have actually done that as a copy. Probably it's not. Probably it's, it's you know, like somehow she's kind of photographed it and incorporated that into her picture digitally. However she's done it, it's really, really clever. And the way on the left-hand side she's turned that note into a, a curtain, let's yeah. say, the way she's incorporated that face, which is, you know, about as scary as you can get. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming that's, um, well, it's clearly her her signature. So she's taken off the signature. Uh, there's still a signature at the bottom. She's added, added her signature, 2021. Yeah, on the dollar bill, yeah. Um, and then I really like, again, it's very gripping and poignant that you've got the plane coming through the gap so and of course you know why an american bill you know it's 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 a criticism of america and it's throwing its money around and and leaving people behind and then you've got people who are so desperate they, mm. they clung on to a plane mm. and fell to their deaths um, yeah. i mean she's still portraying herself with the flowing hair that's also quite interesting because of course if the Taliban are going to behave strictly, that's a no-no. Um, and in fact, it could even go worse than that, that she'd have to cover her face entirely. Well, I mean, she's, she's, Shamsia, she must be quite scared because obviously she's been graffitiing yeah. the walls, of, you know, yeah. uh, over the last few years. Um, well, if, if, if they're going to go after people, and we can, yeah. we can only hope that they, you know, won't, um, I think she also did have an exhibition of these in America yeah. during during her time as an artist. So, I mean, she's not afraid to speak her mind. No, and, you know, and she's she not. and her belief, of course, is that it's just a way. Of, you know, this is how to communicate in a society where um, not everybody's literate. It's bold and it's very clear, communicates exactly what she thinks. And it's, you know, what she thinks of the Taliban is very clear. And that is putting her at risk. And that, of course, that's, 
you know, there's all sorts of art and some of it is very benign and passive and wouldn't offend anybody except perhaps on the level of it's, you know, just not being that good. But then you have artists who are, you know, willing to provoke. Some, you know, I'll be honest, I'm not really a fan of the kind of what I would term the kind of vulgarity of Gilbert and George. Others think it's absolutely fine, so it's another discussion. But there are those <laughs> we'll that We'll do will, one of their paintings in a few weeks. Yeah, but there are those that will provoke <laughs> through trying to assault our, sen- our own personal sense of what is decent and what isn't decent. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, Jeff Koons is not for me, for example, but for other people, we'll pay many millions of dollars for him. So, I mean, there's... there's but then there, are, then there are the political artists and, in a sense, cartoonists in the newspapers, obviously within that, and or in Private Eye in the UK. Um, Banksy, who I actually really like, mm. I mean, I think he's... Because he's, he makes the most amazing, really clear statements through his graffiti and he's a very good artist. Yeah. Um, but I think she's a very good artist and each of her works I've seen is making a very clear point and she's not just doing butterflies or sunflowers she's you know trying to change the country trying to reflect and change the country in which she lives don't you think I wonder if she'd quite like to do butterflies and flowers I wonder if one day she feels that (laughs) I wonder if that gets that's her end goal Mm. that instead of having to keep on uh finding a voice for women and with what's happening now i wonder where she might say you know what wouldn't it be lovely to just feel like everything's okay and i can just do some butterflies and flowers but these though these are these are all telling a story Mm. and i just think where she's put no mouth on the women is really is really clear what she's trying to get across Mm. On, on nearly all of her paintings, I think. Well, we haven't seen them all, of course. So. Yeah, you've got a, a very clear depiction mm. of something that's evil and something that we assume is good. Mm. Um, and just terror. And one, but one has taken power. Mm. One is now on the dollar note, and mm. is, you know, and the other one's hiding, yeah. clasping onto uh, you know curtain, curtain. come side of a dollar bill, hiding behind it, afraid to go out. Mm-hmm. So going backwards. In, dressed in, in black. Mm. Um, yeah. Although I would have to... Good question of whether black is traditional mourning in Afghanistan. I actually don't know. Well, there she's saying maybe she's in mourning for what's happening. But certainly most, you know, m- m- much of the clothing in Afghanistan is very colourful. So I think wearing, you know, being painted in black even if that's not the traditional color of mourning in afghanistan she's mm. well and well enough aware of it's a traditional color of mourning elsewhere in the world uh, who, who she's also trying to communicate to mm. yeah um i think it's also a lesson for us i mean i walk around brighton and i'm, I'm rather assaulted by the amount of graffiti much of it is just awful <laughs> just and just you know whether it's just tags or you can do a trip if you want. You can go on a little graffiti talk. Oh, yeah. Walk. yeah. But some of yeah. it is really good. And, you know, really talented artists. Mm. Um, uh, you know, 
beautiful dolphin you can see, there's a beautiful sunflower you can see. So, I mean, you know, it's, I think, again, people listening to this should, shouldn't automatically think of oh, graffiti artists, so uh, it's just messing up the it's urban environment. Yeah. Actually, some graffiti artists are fabulous. And one of the things I like about graffiti when it's well done is it's making a point really quickly. You know, it has to, it has to, as Banks, I mean, Banks is a perfect example of this. You know, you kind of, you get it straight away. Well, also you haven't got to book a museum or try and get into a gallery or. Yeah. Well, that's another thing in Afghanistan. I was going to say, is there any? Well, when I was there, I did go to a photography exhibition, but it tended to oh. be in the cultural centres that were that go along with their embassies. Oh, okay. So the German embassy had a Goethe Institute. Oh, okay. And so they might hold a photography exhibition. In fact, I think that was the one I went to. Uh, obviously, the British embassy has the British Council, so they would have held. And things were starting to develop in Afghanistan. We never hear about it, but there were, you know, photographers and you know small galleries starting to 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 emerge and um but uh and the, of course they had a national gallery which was destroyed in the war but and been lots of talk of remaking that and rebuilding that i don't think it's open yet i'm not sure the thing about graffiti is though it's it's can it's right there for everybody so She's getting across, isn't she? Can feel your pain today. This is what's happening. No need to get it into anywhere that people can't get into. It's on the street. Well, and that is getting that message across. Actually, I'll take that a step further. Which is what's so interesting about this is that it's probably not anywhere. Mm-hmm. So it's not on the street. It's mm-hmm. not in a gallery. But the world in which we live is mm-hmm. that an artist can now work purely digitally. Yeah. So actually. We can see her artwork. As I mentioned, I follow her on Instagram, so I'm looking forward to the day when a new piece of artwork pops up because she's done it, which mm. means that she's well. Mm. Um, but actually have these alternative digital, um, and a bit like, you know, with us, an exhibition on screen, you know, like the film I'm making at the moment about Caravaggio. I am, although actually the one I made recently, like Leonardo, I've curated a virtual exhibition. Right. So there's no way that you would ever have all those Leonardos in one gallery space. National Gallery couldn't do it. Louvre couldn't do it. Musée d'Orsay couldn't do it. So, and then you distribute it. You're distributing it digitally or you're allowing people to visit it digitally. So, of course, the artists today, some will be thinking about their audience as being international, as you know, unlimited numbers of people seeing it on their Instagram site, seeing it on their Facebook site. Um, I see. And of course, now you've even got this thing called NFTs, non-fungible tokens. You were talking about that as well, wasn't (laughs) I? Now, let's be honest, I mean, no one would deny it. Some of it is utter rubbish (laughs) and some of it isn't. Uh, And there are also plenty of people willing to spend an awful lot of money. Yeah not being able necessarily to tell the difference between one and the other, but just seeing it as an investment. Yes, just want one. But that is a purely digital realm. Mm. Um, and uh, there was an example this week of a little kitty who created a set of whales digitally. Oh, right. And sold them for $230,000. <sighs> you know, little 10-year-old, 12-year-old. Yeah. 
So one thing is we can hope for, and I think this is one of the things about Afghanistan, why it's different. I don't think you can entirely put the genie of mobile technology back in the bottle. So even if the Taliban, which, you know, which has every chance of being the case, become oppressive and you know, assault women in all sorts of different ways, you, they don't, unless they actually switch the internet off and try yeah, to control it in okay, the way that yeah. the Chinese try to control their mm. internet access, they, yes. the artists should still be able to communicate with both their domestic audience and an international audience through social media and hopefully they can do it in a way that doesn't put them at risk. Um, so hopefully, you know, Shamsia will, wherever she is, yeah. um, and... Get, get, her, get her work. Yeah. Get her voice back home. Yeah. Mm. But thoroughly recommend people go to her website. So just to repeat that, Shamsia Hassani, S-H-A-M-S-I-A, H-A-S-S-A-N-I dot net. Look at her work. Follow her on Instagram. Yeah. And, That's um, kind of the only positive we can take from this and the situation at the moment. I can't feel, yeah. can't feel much positive unless we look at her art, keep looking at people's art, because, like she said, it's her words. Well, again, it reminds us of, of who and how broad and how talented and courageous Afghan women are. Mm. And whether it's to remind ourselves or certainly to remind our governments that just because we've now got all our troops out yeah. doesn't mean we turn our backs on them. No. Uh, and and whether, whether we've been involved in Afghanistan or not, and I know we can't help everybody all around the world, but when I hear people saying, well, it's, you know, we've got so many issues of our own, why do I need to help Afghans? Mm. I kind of want to strangle them, frankly, yeah. because, you know, yeah. even if we do have problems, the problems we have, all right, some people will really be struggling in this country, but by and large, the gap between the pressures we're under and the pressures that Afghans are under yeah. is vast and unfair. I know. Every day I always think I'm lucky. <laughs> so in a minute we could go and put the kettle on hmm. and make ourselves a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. And, and just think, well, you know, well, again, it's just the... it brings you back to the it's... film. Yes. So my childhood, my country, 20 years in Afghanistan. And you realise that, you know, Mir, well, Mir says at the beginning he has an ambition. He says, one day I'd like to be either a headmaster or president. <laughs> but, you know, it's not long before you see him and his brother-in-law um, ploughing a field and, and in that scene he says well if we can't eat I can't study right yeah he's just a kid yeah they take him out of school because they need to plough this they've managed to get themselves a little plot of land which nobody else wants because it's so rocky and it's on a steep slope so they get it and then they have to hire the donkeys uh, to to plough it they have to buy the somehow they have to get hold of some grain they're being affected by climate change like everybody else there's a lot of drought in Afghanistan but if the grain grows, then they harvest the grain, all doing this all themselves. Yeah. Then they take it to the water mill and the miller will grind it and take 10% as a fee. And then they've got a bag of flour. That's it. So all okay, that effort yeah. is to yeah. get flour. Mm -hmm. And again, if you look, if you watch the film carefully, you'll see that the, the thing they are eating almost, you know, the thing that's most consistently eaten is bread. 
So you'll see more than once in the film, they're having dinner or breakfast and it's just bread and tea. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in, in the small village that, I, that Mia used to live in, his home village, you know, I used to, I would say, I'd say to people when I was there, you've not got any vegetables. I mean, it was they were very nice and they would bring us rice and actually we were treated very well. So they put in a bit of mutton or something and some sultanas mm. um, and then bread and then an egg and maybe some fresh cream. Well, they probably went all out for you, didn't they? That's Abs- so sweet. Oh, absolutely. You can and, imagine. Oh, yes. I know. When the guests come. I know sometimes that the family themselves are giving us the last um, grains of tea. Yeah. Um, Because you'd know, because if they only made one cup of tea, you knew that for me, or two for Schweibner, you knew that they were really down to the last Mm. tea leaves. Um, But even water, I mean, it's not like they've got taps. No, no. You have to go to the stream. Yeah. And then you've got to boil the water. Well, to boil the water, you need to have wood. Afghanistan is deforested. And so, you know, they have to go into the mountains to find firewood. And again, you see this in the film. You and I can go to the supermarket next door. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, well, that is it. We it's, do. it's a world apart and we have to... Have to count our blessings all. Oh, and I hope that the we do. point of something like this is, you know, if we look at a picture like this, it should hopefully remind us of the inhumanity and the humanity and in whatever small way we can, we should help. Yeah. Kindness. Just be kind. Just be kind. <laughs> and, on, <laughs> and on that, see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Painting of the Week podcast. For more information, please visit our website at seventh-art.com or contact us by emailing info at seventh-art.com. See you next time.